Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn over to the book of Hebrews. And Chad's going to get my whiteboard. You know it's going to be a good day if I get the whiteboard out. I mean, it's on today. First Sunday of 2023, I get the whiteboard out. Gonna be a good day. Thank you, Chad. So we're gonna start this new series today called Life by Design. Life by Design. So we're gonna start in um, Hebrews chapter 12. I just want to put a little disclaimer. This is gonna be the most non-fun verse we've ever started with. Okay. But by the end of it, it's going to be the most fun verse I've ever started with. But right now, when I read it, you're going to be like, oh, Jesus. Or if you're not church, it could be, oh, boop, something else. But by the end of the series, you're going to get something out of it, and, and you're going to love this. But the first verse is going to be a little bit challenging, okay? I just got to say that. So we're going to start this new series today called Life by Design. So Hebrews 12, we're going to start in... Verse 11 says, no discipline, I told you, (laughs) is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. You with me? But it's not the end of the verse, not the end of the verse. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip. That's what I'm believing we're going to do today for this new year. Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. And mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Can I get amen this morning? So today we're going to start this new series called Life by Design. And if you're taking notes, the first uh, message of the series is going to be called Designing Your Future. Designing your future. Now, I want to help you today, but this entire uh, series, and really get this year started the way it needs to get started. And I want to help you as your pastor. How many of you know that I'm fulfilled when you're living the life that you should live? Like, I'm happy when you're living in the purpose that God has for you. Like, I get no pleasure with seeing you guys struggle with your life. I feel like I'm not doing a good job. I know it's not all up to me. It's up to God. But still, I have a part to play in this. So, so I get no pleasure. And if I see our church family struggling or any of you struggling, it brings no pleasure to me. I am most fulfilled, most satisfied, most joyful when I see you guys succeeding. And if I feel that way, how much more does God? You know, God cares about your life and not just your spiritual life. All of your life, your, your mind, your, your physical health. He cares about your family. He cares about your career. He cares about your money. He cares about your kids. He cares about everything. And he wants us to live a successful life. A life that is in his will and in his purpose. He wants us to live the life that he has for us. But we have to be intentional about living that life or it doesn't happen. That's why we titled the series Life by Design. Is because all of us in here have to be intentional about the life we live and the dreams that God has placed in our heart or it does not happen. Yeah. 
We have to be living lives on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose, or nothing will happen in our lives. We don't accidentally end up where we want to be in life. Doesn't happen by accident. You don't stumble into the will of God for your life. You don't trip into being a successful person. So we have to live lives that are intentional, lives that are on purpose, because nothing is automatic. We have to live a life by design. So all of us in here are living, living in two different ways. We're living a life by design or default. Now, most of us are on autopilot. That's why we see no change in our life. We see no difference from year to year. We see no growth in our life. We see no change in our life because we're not living life by design. We're living it by default. So we're just on autopilot. We go to work and we do the same thing. We, we come home and we do the same thing. We do the eat the same things, we exercise the same way, we think the same way, we have the same relationships with our families year after year after year after year after year, and we go in this one long vicious cycle from year to year to year to year to year, wondering why God isn't doing something, and it's not God's fault, it's our fault. I'm about two lines into my whole message today. <laughs> Because we're choosing to live a life by default, not by design. And God's not making those choices. We are making those choices. He'll help you anytime you want to start designing your life in your future. And I don't know about you, but aren't you tired to go into another year the same way you were last year? Is that just me? Or some of you guys love your comfort zone that much. No, you feel that way. Even people that love their comfort zone, you don't like to have to deal with the same stuff year after year after year after year. But it will stay that way because we live life by default, not by design. We're not living intentionally. We're not living on purpose. And so if we live life by default and on autopilot, we'll go to every year Again, and say, what happened? Did I make progress? Did I change? Did I grow? And the answer will be no, and you'll be frustrated, and then you'll do it all again. The sad part is, you only got so many years to do that. Then you get to the end of your life, and you got the major, major regret that nothing happened, nothing changed. I didn't do God's will for my life, and then what do you have then? It's quiet in this Methodist Pentecostal Church of Jesus Christ, isn't it? So we have to choose to live a life by design. Now, it's interesting to know that if you go all the way back to Genesis in the garden, Adam and Eve, God came down and he told man and woman that they were in charge. Read your Bible. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to have authority and dominion. He said, I want you to, to cultivate this ground, this garden you're in. I want you to, 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 to uh, make sure there's no weeds in it. And I want you to plant the right things. And I want you to water the right things. And, and you can make this garden whatever you want it to be, Adam. 
That's what God said. And he didn't act like, I'm not going to help you in this. But he said, this belongs to you. And you can make this garden or this life whatever you want it to be. And I'll help you do it. But you're in charge here. So you will get out of it what you put into it. Because he gave mankind dominion and authority and creative ability to make their life whatever they want it to be. And God has given us all freedom in our own will. And yes, there is boundaries that God has placed on our life. And I'm not talking about living outside of God's will. But within God's will, there's freedom. Within God's will, there's creative ability to make your life what you want it to be. And God is asking you, just like he did Adam in the garden, to design your life because you will get out of the garden what you put into it. You will get out of your life what you put into it. And if you put no design into it, when he talked to Adam, he said, you can make this garden as beautiful as you want to make it. Or you can make it as ugly as you want to make it. But it's your garden now. That's the same way with our life. God has given us all our garden and it's our life. And he said, you, can, you could prosper as much as you want to or you could live in poverty, but it's, it's your design. You can be healthy in your body or you can be sick, but it's your design. You could have great relationships or terrible relationships, but it's your design. You could have an awesome family and, and children that are raised in the house of God and that serve God and love God, but it's your design. You could have a fulfilling life and, and give generously to the kingdom of God, but it's your design. You could have the business that you want to have or you don't have to do that, but it's your design. You can have the life you want to have, but it's your design. And God has given us all the same challenge that he gave Adam. He gave him authority. He gave him dominion. He gave him creative ability and power to make the garden whatever he wanted to make it. Not without his help, with his help. But he said, you're in charge. And many of us are still praying prayers that are religious, but not scriptural. Still thinking God's in charge and you're going to wait the rest of your life and God ain't going to do nothing. God said, no, you have the ability to do something. I'll help you when you do something. And I, and I don't want us to be frustrated from year to year waiting for God because you still think he's in charge, he's in control. When he said, no, you have authority, you take your dominion, you make something out of this garden, you start planting seeds, you start seeing things grow, you make something out of your life, you design it the way that you want it to be. Stop looking to me to do it. I'm the helper, not the doer. But we have to design our life. Or we'll just live the same year to year, decade to decade, and wonder why God didn't do anything. Too honest on a Sunday morning. Okay. This is getting real good. We, we just barely into this. Keep smiling. It's going to be fun. So, I think I need to use a whiteboard. Do you think I need to use a whiteboard? Now, before I use this, can we, can we make a promise to each other? No making fun of my penmanship. Deal? I am a doctor in training. Okay. So, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. What if, like, I started a full message and we literally played, like, Pictionary the rest of the time together? 
and then there's no end of the sermon. That was just it. We're just going to play for the next hour and 15 minutes. And then just, it's a thought. I could do it. I'm the pastor. <laughs> okay. So here we go here. This is going to be spectacular. Okay. So this is you right here. Get you some spiky hair. There's your eyes, there's your mouth, there's your nose. Okay, there you are. So God wants us to live a life by design, not by default. Because we won't see God's will, God's plan, God's call, God's purpose in our life if we don't live it by design, living intentionally. So here's you. You're right here on this beautiful cliff. And uh, here, here you are after hearing this beautiful message that I'm preaching right now. And so you have to design something. You're designing your life. I said, no judging my penmanship. You have to design something. So, so you're right here. You're thinking, you're planning. And Wix, uh, the next few weeks, we're going to get into a lot of this. And, and we're going to talk more about this on how to have a, a vision and a, and a goal and a design and a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. We're going to talk about that the next few weeks. So don't be afraid that you don't have fully one yet. But So here's this design right here. Okay, this is God's dream or life that you're supposed to live right here, over here. Okay? You with me so far? Um, how many know there's a problem? <laughs> Can anyone see the problem here? Because uh, because after the next few weeks, and maybe you've already been here before, you're like, I got all these plans and visions and dreams. And, and I agree with you, Pastor, life by design. But how do I get to this dream or the life I need to have? Well, just like, let me be historical here for a second. And I have no historical context of this, but I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> Lewis and Clark. Okay. We'll just talk about Lewis and Clark since they were in this area. There's signs everywhere. I've been to the Falls of the Ohio, and I've hiked many times. So let's just say Lewis and Clark, when they lived hundreds of years ago. And so they're, they're marching on the Indiana side of the river. And they see the Falls of the Ohio, and Lewis and Clark and, and all their people with them. And they see this river in front of them to get to the other side. Now, nobody knows why they would want to go to Kentucky. But for whatever reason, maybe they thought that there was something over there. They quickly realized there was not when they went to the Kentucky side. Anyways, so Lewis and Clark, famous people, Clarksville, you know, this is the area. Lewis and Clark, it's a big deal around here, okay, guys? They're, they're on the banks of the mighty Ohio River, right? How many have ever swam in the Ohio River? Raise your hand, you dirty, nasty people. No, I have two. I have two at Charleston State Park with the boys and Natalie. I have been in the Ohio River, and it was questionable. But I'm immune to all diseases for the rest of my life. I have immunity. I, I don't need the COVID vaccine, and that's not a political statement. I got it when I got in the Ohio River. Trust me. I got the vaccine and more. If you've been in the Ohio and you've eaten at Golden Corral, you're fine for the rest of your life. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
So Lewis and Clark is on the, the, the banks of the mighty Ohio River looking across, just like this guy is, and they had to do something to get from there to the other side of the Ohio River. And there had to be something because you're not going to be able to swim across unless you're like just an amazing swimmer. So Lewis and Clark had to do something to get to the other side of the river, to go to where they needed to go, to go to what they saw, their vision, their, their design, their plan. You know what they had to do? They had to build a bridge. My marker's going out on me. It's okay. Let's try green. We got Christmas colors. Now, you still with me here? Hopefully, I'm not boring you with my examples here. This is just foundation for where we're going this, this uh, next five weeks. So good old Lewis and Clark and their companions had to build a bridge to go from Indiana to Kentucky. Lord knows why, but they did because they're explorers. And it's the same way with your life. This is you right here, and you got the design that God has placed into your heart but to get from here to the life or the dream you want to have, you have to build a bridge to get there. Or you'll never get there. Not trying to be mean, not trying to be harsh, but you'll never get there if you don't build a bridge from the design that God has placed in your heart to the dream and life you want. But this bridge is called one thing. Discipline. Discipline. To get from design to the dream that God has for you, the bridge that will get you there is discipline. I knew you guys would be shouting me down right now. Now you will by the end of this series. Most of us don't see the connection, thus we never get here. We just stay here with pipe dreams and good thoughts and feelings, and we write a new vision board, and we write new goals down, but discipline is the bridge to get you from here to here. So this entire series, I'm going to be talking about discipline. So let's think about this word discipline. Your desires don't determine who you become. Your discipline determines who you become. Discipline is the bridge between who you are and who you want to become. Now, there's a reason I wanted to choose this word discipline because could I, I could use a lot of words today. I could use the word habits. I could use the word practices, routines, rituals, whatever you want to call it. And I've preached about that before and I've preached about habits. But I want to use the word discipline for this series for many specific reasons. Because to get from the design that God has for you to the dream that God has for you or the life you want, you have to be disciplined. Now, the reason I'm choosing discipline instead of habits or routines is this. Discipline is a biblical word that the word disciple and discipline go together. We're all called to be disciples of Jesus. But there's another reason why I chose the word discipline, and this is what's going to make you a little uncomfortable. 
Because discipline implies pain. Discipline implies pain. That's why I chose it. Gosh, we got a sick pastor on Sunday morning. No, discipline implies that there's going to be pain. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be some things you got to push through when you don't feel like it or you don't want to. And it's going to feel painful in the moment. Let's look back at our theme verse, Hebrews 12 and verse 11, if we could. In the new living, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But what does it produce in your life? It produces the life that God wants for you. Now, Let's be honest here. In life, there will be pain. You guys, you, you guys, it's half and half in here. No, no, no. In this life, you will have pain. But here's the good news. Why I chose discipline? Because you can choose the pain. You can choose the pain of discipline to get the life you want. Or you can choose the pain of regret because you didn't have any discipline in your life. But you get to choose. That's the good news of it. But there will be pain either way. It's whatever you want to experience. You can experience the pain of discipline right now to get the life that God has for you. Or you'll have to experience the pain of regret at the end of your life wondering what happened. And why didn't God come through? And why didn't my life go this direction? And, and, and I, I didn't see those dreams and plans come to pass. So you get to choose your pain. That's the good news today. The pain of discipline and the pain of regret. Let's read this verse again if we can. Hebrews 12, 11. You're gonna, this is going to be refrigerator scripture at Church on the Rock. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterwards. What is he saying? But afterwards, there's going to be fruit that comes out of it. There's going to be a life change that comes out of it. There's going to be growth and newness. And there's going to be the dream that God has for you coming out of it. Why? Because there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Are you with me so far this morning? So we have to live life by design. But design alone is not enough. To get to the dream that God has for us, we have to build a bridge. And that bridge is called discipline. Your new favorite word. Discipline is the bridge between who you are and who you want to become. You still here today. Now, have you ever heard the term, no pain, no gain? It's true and not just in weightlifting. In every area of your life, if you don't experience the pain of discipline... No gain. Financially, no pain, no gain. Physically, no pain, no gain. In your relationships, no pain, no discipline, no gain. In every area of your life that you want to see growth in life and change and the dream God has for you, there has to be pain for there to be gain. Now, I'm not talking about physically beating yourself up. I'm not talking about, you know, there is some 
church people and religious people to think like beating themselves in the back is honoring God. I'm not talking about that weirdness. I'm talking about the pain you experience when you discipline and choose the right thing. You choose disciplines daily, spiritual disciplines and physical disciplines and mental, emotional disciplines and financial disciplines. There's a pain you experience when you do those things to help you to become the person God has called you to be. But the pain is for a purpose. It's for the gain. Or you can choose the other one. Regret. Are you guys here today? Do y'all still like me? I got very mixed looks in the crowd right now, but I'm going to keep going. Now, why do we, let's just talk about that for a second. This is not my notes, but since your face confronted me, I'm going to confront you back. Why do we do that in messages like this? Why, no, seriously, why, why do we, you know, if I'm talking about prosperity, y'all done hanging from the chandeliers, acting like you're Pentecostal. But we talk about discipline, everybody's like, Why? Now, why do you do that? Because you all know you need it. Are we right? Are we right? I know I'm right. It's the messages that you really need when you look so stern in the service. Mm-hmm. But why am I preaching this? To help us all. Because I love you. And I want your life to end up where God needs it to be. For you to live a successful life, the life that God has created you to live. And I have to talk about these things because most churches and church people don't talk about it. That's why they stay here. You know, a lot of times, and then the world thinks that we're a joke. Because they're more disciplined than we are and they see more results than Christians do. And they say, well, you got God on your side. Where is he at? Because church people and Christians never talk about this and throw it off on God like he's going to do everything. And God says, no, you have to do something too. Mm, that's good. I'll say amen to myself. <laughs> so let's talk about discipline for a second here. Here's some definitions of this word discipline. Training. Here's one discipline. Training that corrects, molds, perfects the mental faculties or moral character to train or develop and exercise yourself in self-control here's another one i like it says to bring under control or to impose order upon now when i'm talking about discipline and i say stuff like to bring under control and to impose order upon i'm not talking about your neighbor I'm not talking about your husband or wife. That's messed up. Discipline means you impose order on yourself. That you take control of yourself. The Bible has a lot to say about that. Not other people. So when I say discipline, don't think about your neighbor. Don't think about your kids. Don't think about your coworkers. Think about you. Discipline is training myself, getting myself under control and under order because I'm in charge of me to live the life that God has created me to be. And sometimes you have to do that to yourself. You have to grab yourself and say, I need you to get in order. We're going to come under control. And you can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit and your choices. You know, one of the gifts of the Spirit that we don't talk about much is called self-control. 
What is that? That's discipline. You know, one of our favorite refrigerator scriptures, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. But other translations say that last word is not sound mind. It's actually God has given me power, love, and self-discipline. Now, a lot of us are like, power, love, oh my gosh. What about the third one? God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-discipline. Just like he's given you power to heal the sick. Shandai, Shandai, oh my gosh. And I believe in that. Or he's called you to love the world. We emphasize those as Christians, but God has given you self-discipline. It's in the same verse that says God has given you power, love, and self-discipline or self-control. Now, why does he give us that? So we can live the life that God's created us to live. And discipline is what's going to get us from here to here. Can you say amen just to know that you're still with me today? So discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Discipline is choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. But when we make those choices, there's where the pain comes in. Why? Because it will feel hard and painful when you start doing the right things that will actually help your life. Now, what is it going to feel painful? Your body's going to scream at you when you tell it no. Are we in the right church? Did we just come out of the holidays? When you start trying to eat right right now after the holidays and you tell your body no the first time, your body goes, ah! Are we living in the same body? Are you guys feel what I feel? Now, why does it do that? Because discipline is painful. When, when you've been thinking any sorts of way and just watching whatever you want, wanted to watch and, and watching porn on TV and doing whatever you want. Yeah, I said it. When you first tell your flesh and your mind no, it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But it's a good pain. Because that pain, that discipline will lead to the life and the dream that you want. So discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. It's making the hard choice that is right over the easy choice that is wrong. But it can feel painful. Especially in our body and in our unrenewed mind. That's why it says discipline means to bring yourself into order. To get it under control, to impose order on yourself. And God says you can do that because He's given you the Spirit of God who gives you self discipline and self control. I know you're super excited so far in this message, but, I, but I'm enjoying it. There is um, an article written a few years back by a man named Jonathan Haidt, who is a social psychologist and a professor at New York University. And it was written in the Atlantic, but it got turned into a best-selling book called The Coddling of the American Mind. What this book talks about is 
in America and in the West because we no longer have to do anything that's hard or painful. We have become weaker. We become weaker physically. We become weaker mentally. We become weaker financially. We become weaker relationally. Why? Because we've never done anything hard or painful. Therefore, we don't have any built up resistance or strength to anything hard in life. That's why in college campuses, they have to have safe spaces for people that hurt their feelings. Because their parents never let them experience anything hard or painful. Okay, let me try it one more time. And not just for college students, for all of us in here. This country in the West has prospered so much. There's good things that have come out of it, but one of the main things is because of that prosperity, because of those resources, the West and America, we have lived in so much comfort. Now we are not used to doing anything that's hard or painful. And because of that, it actually makes you physically weaker. Makes you mentally weaker. It makes you spiritually weaker. It makes you financially weaker because you've never faced anything hard or painful, which is no discipline. So when real life hits you upside the head, you fall apart because you've been coddled your whole life. And our comfort actually in this country has started to kill us. Because, you know, if you're, you live in comfort and you never do anything hard or painful, your body and mind adapts to that. So when it's not that way, it's really hard and you don't do it. But when you make yourself, hear me, do hard things, painful things, disciplined things in every area of your life, it helps you build resilience and strength so you can handle bigger things in the future. But because we live in such comfort, we all have to choose that. Because we can get away with not doing that, especially in a country like we live in. You realize you don't got to go to the grocery store. You don't got to cook your food. You don't have to build a fire. You set your AC. You order your groceries, you order your DoorDash, you watch your Netflix. You don't have to move one inch the rest of your stinking life if you don't want to. And guess what that, that has done to all of us? We have become physically weaker, mentally weaker, spiritually weaker, relationally weaker, financially weaker, and it's killing us. And then those same people is like, oh, I'm an influencer on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm going to have this certain type of life. No, you ain't. Because you can't even handle the AC being turned down one degree. And if you didn't get your chai oat latte, you fall apart. No. You're not going to be a successful person in life. You're not going to get God's dream if you can't even handle not getting your oat latte in the morning. Sheesh, I'm preaching in this house. If you're listening. <sighs> to get from here to here is discipline. 
Let's just take this for instance, and this is funny, but it's not funny at the same time. Let's just take 19-year-olds that lived in the 50s. First, 19-year-olds that live today. 19-year-olds in the 50s were going off to fight Hitler, for goodness sakes. 19-year-olds now are going off to fight in Call of Duty in their parents' basement. Are you here? It's funny, but it's sad at the same time. 19-year-olds out there were chopping wood, shooting guns, going off to a job, making something of their life, getting married. 19-year-olds now are sitting in their parents' basement watching porn, ordering DoorDash with their mom's credit card. Too offended to go to college because they might hurt my feelings. playing games today am I right or am I right come on say I'm right come on you right and then they're going to stay here the rest of their life wondering why God's not doing it wondering why mom dad's not doing wondering why my life won't change I can't get over this I can't do anything because to get from here to here you're going to have to do some discipline And this is going to feel hard. And this is going to feel painful at times. But to get from here to here, it's going to be worth it. Can I read you another verse? Hebrews 12, 11. Let's just read this again. I want to see it one more time. You want another verse, didn't you? I'm sorry. (laughs) I got another verse. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later, it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Discipline. It's amazing. The Apostle Paul wrote to a son of the faith, Timothy, who was a young man. But listen to the language he uses when he tells Timothy about the life he's about to face to accomplish God's dream for his life. Let's look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be all able to also teach others. You therefore must endure Hardship. Now, this is an older man speaking to a younger man. And he's saying to accomplish God's will for your life and the dream God has, you're going to have to have some discipline. You're going to have to be able to experience some pain and hardship and keep going. What does he say? You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first to to partake of the crops. 
Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Now, why am I reading this? Because we're talking about discipline here. This older man, Paul, who was finishing his race in his life, said to Timothy, the son in the faith, he said, guess what? To accomplish God's dream for your life, you're going to have to be like these three things. And those three things he said were all disciplined people. He said, you're going to have to be like a soldier. How many know soldiers are known because they're disciplined? They do hard things. They do painful things. Then he said, you're going to need to be like an athlete in this life. An athlete that wins is very disciplined. Talent is not enough to take you to the championship. You have to be a disciplined person to get there as an athlete. And then he said, you're going to have to be like a farmer. Farmers are extremely disciplined. They have to plant at the right time. They have to water at the right time. And they have to harvest at the right time. And Paul said to Timothy, if you're going to accomplish God's will, you're going to have to be a disciplined person. Like a soldier. Like an athlete. Like a farmer. All three of those types of people are disciplined. You still here? So, I got a few more things for you if your butts can handle it. <laughs> Did I say butts on the Sunday? Yeah, I said that. Oh, sorry. Boots of heinies. Still speaking about discipline, here's something that we all need to know. And, and notice this week and next week, we're laying the foundation for where we're going to go. So this is kind of groundwork. Discipline is not a personality type. It's a decision. Because some of you in here have already counted yourself out of this message. Not me. I'm not type A. That's not me. I'm not a leader, so he's not talking to me. I'm talking to you. Discipline is not a personality type. It's a decision. You know how I know that? Because my personality type is not disciplined. I am the biggest winged person in the world. I love it. I hate schedules. I hate appointments. I hate due dates. I want to wing it and it all to turn out all right. I do. And that works for a little bit when you're younger. Right? But then you realize, I'm never going to accomplish the things that God has for me or I want for myself unless I start getting disciplined. Now, I am not type A. I'm not. I'm type B or C. I don't know. But I'm not type A. Now, when it comes to church stuff, I do have a little bit of type A-ness in me. But my overall life, through the years, that's not my personality type. And I used to tell myself the same lie that you're telling yourself. It's not my personality. Discipline is not a personality type. It's a decision. You can be as disciplined as you want to be. Now, I had to realize if I'm going to accomplish anything with my health, I'm going to have to 
discipline myself. If I'm going to have the church that we want to have, I just can't wing it, right? We got to be disciplined. We got to be disciplined about the, the music, and we got to be disciplined about the preaching, and we got to be disciplined about the kids' department. We got to be disciplined about the money. We got to be disciplined because why? We want to see the life and the, the harvest and the fruit that God has for us, and it's not going to get there by winging it. It's going to take discipline. So I have had to become a disciplined person, and I'm not disciplined. The way I want to be in every area, but I am very disciplined in a lot of areas at this time in my life. Here's something I've noticed. The better my disciplines are, the better my life is. The better my disciplines, the better our church is. The better my disciplines are, the better our relationships are. The better my disciplines are, the better my health is. Because discipline is not a personality type. It's a decision. A decision. Here's another thing about discipline. Discipline is your faith in action. We're going to be landing the plane here in a second. Some of y'all are already jumped out of the plane with the life vest. I'm out. Talking about discipline. I'll be back in five weeks, Pastor. Hear me today, discipline is your faith in action. Now, just before we get into this section, I want to prepare your feet because they're going to get stepped on. A lot of times, Christians especially, use faith as a crutch to not do anything. They use words like this when people ask them about their life. Well, I'm believing God. I'm believing God, and I'm believing God, and I'm believing God as a reason to not actually do anything with their life. But your Bible says that God doesn't just work with our faith in believing. He works with our faith in our actions. The book of James says that faith, believing without actions, is dead. means it's not going to produce anything. Yes, we have to believe God. And I'm not saying to do any of this without God. I'm saying we're doing this with God's help. But we have to have faith and belief in what God's dream is for our life. But then we have to have the actions to back it up to see it fulfilled. And if we keep using the crutch of I'm believing God, we're going to live the rest of our life and not see all God has for us because we never put action to our faith. Because discipline is your faith in action. Now, oh, this is such a good part of the service. You need to understand this. God won't do for you what you can do for yourself. God will only do for you what you can't do for you. And a lot of times we're praying for God to do it, and he's saying, no, you do it, because I won't do for you what you can do for you. I'm only here to do for you what you can't do for you. The Bible says that God is the helper. He's not the doer. So we have to do something for God to give us help. 
Let me give you a few examples, just in case you're trying to act like you don't know what I'm talking about. A lot of us will say, I got money issues. We're believing God for our money. You need to. We're having faith. We, we want to get out of debt or we want to be better financially. God won't do for you what you can do for you. God's not in charge of your checkbook. God's not in charge of what you spend. You are. And if we can be honest, a lot of our problems with our money is not because of the devil. It's because of unwise choices. It's on buying things we shouldn't have. It's, it's, it's because we went into debt and we're trying to pray away our bad decisions instead of actually being disciplined to turn the situation around. Now, I believe God will help you because God does miracles even when we don't deserve it. And I believe in that. But it's not just faith. It's faith and actions. Because guess what? If God delivers you out of a financial situation, oh, Jesus. And you don't change your disciplines, you'll be right back in it next week. God will get you out of debt. But if you're going to keep living that way, you'll be right back in debt next year. Discipline is faith in action. A lot of our issues could be avoided if we lived discipline. We wouldn't have to have God give us miracles every other year for our money if we lived with discipline. Just a thought, just a thought, I don't know. There's like three people saying amen, but it is right. So I believe in faith, but not just faith, faith and actions. Discipline is your faith in action. God won't do for you what you can do for yourself. He will only do for you what you can't do for yourself. I love this quote by St. Augustine, early church father. He said, without God, we cannot, but without man, God will not. Why? Because he's our helper. He's not the doer. Let me give you one more example, and I'll go to my last point and land the plane. Let you up off the mat for today. <sighs> because discipline is our faith in action. And this is one that we really don't like to talk about in the church world. This is the acceptable sin of Christians. Being unhealthy in our bodies. Now, I'm going to give a whole week to that in a, in a few weeks. But <laughs> the same Christians who bash people that drink. The, the drunkenness verses in the Bible are always next to the gluttony verses in the Bible. But drunkenness is wrong, but gluttony is right. How does... It's acceptable sin. Let me get back on my paper. We'll, we'll leave that for another day. Now, we're still talking about faith in action, and I'm landing in a plain discipline. What, how, does, how does that work out? Let's just take your health, for instance. A lot of us will say we're believing God for our physical bodies and our health. Great. 
I believe God does miracles. I believe God heals bodies. But if we were disciplined in our healthy habits, we wouldn't have to always be believing God for healing. And drastic miracles to take place because of our bad decisions that got us into the physical situation we're in. We wouldn't need so many prayer lines if the congregation lived discipline. I'm not saying everything is because of that. There is some things that are outside of that. But most diseases come from lifestyle. So you can come up in the prayer line and get prayed for because you have issues because you're overweight. But if you go back and you keep eating Mickey D's and not getting off the couch, you're going to have to get back up next week. And the week after, and the week after, and the month after, and the year after. And you're saying, God, why aren't you doing anything? And God's saying, no, why aren't you doing something? Because it's not him that's holding your back. It's your lack of discipline that's making you sick, not his lack of healing power. Now, I'm not saying everything. I'm not judging you. I've had issues that have come against me when I was trying to eat broccoli and exercise all I wanted. But I'm saying most issues could be solved by healthy disciplines physically. Come on, we got to be real with ourselves. Do, do we want to keep getting in prayer lines for things that we could fix ourselves? Do we want to keep having to have God bail us out and give us miracles when we could have just changed our diet and lifestyle years ago? Because discipline is your faith in action. Yes, believe God. That's number one. We put our faith in God, but I'm going to put my actions to back up what I'm believing. And those working together is the most beautiful combination ever to see God's will and dream for your life. Brother Daryl, could you come up and play? And everybody said, thank the Lord for Brother Daryl. <laughs> I can breathe. Let me up. I got one last thing. Now, with anything I'm saying, I'm not trying to be mean towards you. I'm trying to help you. Gives me no pleasure to see people dealing with the same issue year after year after year after year. But if nobody talks like this, it will repeat itself. And realize today, this is just a starting place. I'm going to help you. This is just a foundation. Next week, we're going to talk about it. Then the week after that, the week after that, the week after that, I'm going to help you with all these things I'm talking about. Give you real practical steps. And we're going to do this together. But we can do this. We can change. And why? Why? Why do we want to do it? I'm not saying do it so we can get a six pack. Do it so we can be rich. We're doing it because we want to live the life that God has created us to live. We want to be successful in what God has given us. We want to have a family that reflects God's glory. We want to have a body that reflects God's glory. We want to have a mind that reflects God's glory. We want to have a spirit that reflects God's glory. We want to have money and finances that reflects God's glory. Why? To do His will. 
to do his purpose and not to keep standing here the rest of our life saying, God, I wish you would do something about this. To get from here to here is discipline. Here's a process that takes place, though, for everyone in here, which is encouraging. This happens spiritually, but also it happens in your body and your brain. When you start making changes and disciplines, the way God has wired us, at first it does feel painful. It does hurt. But there's a process that happens when we start making the right choices in the right disciplines. It starts with discipline, but it doesn't stay there. Discipline turns into desires. So now I want this. I want to be physically healthy. I want to be mentally healthy. I, I want to have a good family. I, I want to treat my finances right. And I'm not even thinking so much about discipline now. Now I desire it. Because what we give ourselves to our desires will follow. But then there's a next step it takes. It goes from desires to delight. So yeah, it starts out when you start doing these disciplines as painful and hard. But if you keep doing it, not just spiritually, but it, it happens in your physical brain and your body. It starts changing. And your neuroplasticity in your brain starts changing. And your body and your desires start changing. And it goes to desire but then it goes to delight. And now I wake up and I want to do this. And I get joy from doing the right thing. And I get joy from making the disciplined choice. And I, make, I get joy with being disciplined in my money. And I get joy from going to the gym. And I get joy from eating the right food. And I get joy from being spiritually disciplined in my Bible. And it's not discipline anymore. It's went from discipline to desire to delight. Now the problem is with most of us in here, when we start something and we start a new habit, it doesn't work because we never do it long enough to get here. We give up in the discipline phase. We all do. But if you stay with it, I know not only God will help you, but scientifically your body and brain will change and adapt and it will start desiring the right things. And then once you start desiring it, you will delight in it. And then you can't even see your life the way you used to see your life. You're a completely different person now. You don't even resemble the old person you used to be. Because you delight in discipline. But there's something we have to do. We have to do it when we don't necessarily feel like it. to get to the place that we do feel it. Now, this is what Dr. Carolyn Leaf said, who is a brain scientist. She said, we often forget that we actually have to do something before we feel the positive effects of it. The action comes before the feeling. If you constantly wait to feel a certain way, you'll remain stuck. But you have to do even when you don't want to in order to achieve the desired emotion. It is easier to act your way into a new feeling than to feel your way into a new way of acting. That's exactly what I just said. You start discipline, but then it goes to desire, then it goes to delight, 
And that's the place that I want all of you to be. And you can get there. And you can do this. All of you. Why? To get here. To get here. Could you stand up with me today? Did you get something this morning? Let's read one more verse. We're going to read it in the message translation of Hebrews 12. At the time, <laughs> I love the message. Discipline isn't much fun. No, it's just at the beginning, though. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationships with God. So don't sit around on your hands, no more dragging your feet. Isn't that a great verse? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to make a commitment through this series and through this time together. Not to me, but to God. And I believe God's going to start stirring us up, stirring our desires. Stirring our heart up to pursue these things. Because we want to see God's dream and plan fulfilled in our lives. So if you could, could you raise your hands for a second? If you feel comfortable with that. Come on, let's just start. Just talk to God yourself. You know the areas you're struggling in. Say, God, man, I desire to change. I desire to be different. God, give me the strength. Give me the ability. Give me the self-control and self-discipline to do your will. God, help me in the areas I'm struggling in. And I know he will. God, we're asking right now as a church family that you give us new desires, that you'd help us to think rightly about this. God, I'm praying that this church would make a major change in our thinking, in our body, in our hearts right now. That we'd be a disciplined people, a disciplined church, disciplined parents, disciplined men and women that see God's will come to pass in our life. Father, we're asking for your help during the series. Help us to dream again. Help us to design our life. Help us give us goals and visions and dreams of what our life could be. And Father, give us the discipline to be able to see it come to pass. Father, we're asking that from the front to the back right now. You see our hearts. You see our minds. We say we love you today. We thank you today. We're not without help, and we're not without help. Father, we thank you. You are our helper, and you're going to help us do all the things that I talked about today. Your power, your strength, your ability. We're not in this alone, and we love you, and we thank you for it today. Are you thankful this morning, people? Are you thankful, church family? Father, we thank you today for a new strength today, a hope coming into our hearts and our lives that things can be different because they can. Things can change because they can. And we thank you for it today. Thank you for it today. No one's left out. No one's left out. I hear that strongly in my spirit today. No one's left out. Don't count yourself out. No, I was talking to you today. God wants to do something in your life, not just certain people. Father, we thank you for it today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. 
We thank you for this new series. We pray that it would get into us, get into our hearts, get into our minds. Help us, change us, renew us. We thank you that we're growing as a church family in every way. Thank you for all you're going to do this year in 2023. It'll be the best year that we have ever had. We thank you for your plan and your purpose to be fulfilled. Thank you, Father, for each other. We love each other. We love you. We thank you that the future is bright. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.